Welcome to another edition of Sean's Sports Show. This is episode number 52, and we are coming at you live from the usual Los Angeles, California. Today we're going to be covering the breaking news in, sport, in sports, uh, as well as the National Hockey League playoffs and the Los Angeles sports team. So the first thing we're going to be talking about has to do with uh, European soccer. Andres Iniesta has confirmed he will leave Barcelona at the end of the season after more than two decades at the club. The long-expected announcement came on Friday, less than a week, um, less than a week on from the Spaniard helping Barca to a 5-0 win over Sevilla in the Copa del Rey final per BBC Sport. Per BBC Sports report, the Barcelona legend had to hold off tears as he addressed a press conference. "Quote: It's a difficult day for me," he said. Uh, per uh, per 442, Iniesta, who's 33 years old, will leave the club as one of the most decorated players in Barca history, and he's likely to add another La Liga title to his tally before he leaves the club. The Spain international made his senior debut for the uh, Blagrana in 2002 after graduating from their famed La Masia Academy and went on to form one of the best ever midfield pairings with compatriot Xavi. Iniesta is not expected to retire as a one-club man. It has been widely reported he will join in he will join a club in the Chinese Super League this summer, um, specifically uh, Chung Chung uh, Chung Dong Dai Lefan per the Independent. Unsurprisingly, Iniesta's announcement prompted a, sw- a swathe of tributes for the 2010 FIFA World Cup and two-time UEFA European Championship winner. Uh, he has been a fixture of the he's been a fixture of the best in European club football for the better part of two decades, and it's and he's likely to be missed not just by Barca supporters but La Liga and UEFA Champions League uh, fans as well, definitely by me. Because um, I don't know about Barcelona supporters, but I'm not going to be watching uh, the Chinese Super League to see Iniesta play. It's much easier to watch Barcelona, and it's much more entertaining as well and interesting. So my take on this is um, Iniesta's a legend, and it's sad. It's sad to see. I don't I don't think he's selling out. He, he deserves the money, but it's just sad to see him go you know, to, to a team in China you know, from Barcelona. I mean... I wouldn't be upset if he would go to like Chelsea or like somewhere a team in Europe or Asia or even like the LA, like you know an MLS team. But just China has no competition at all. It's not like an entertaining league or anything. It's just I don't know. But it it helps him out financially. So it's a it's it's what's I you know I'm I'm happy if it's if it's helping him out. So now covering a story inside the world of the NFL. The Pittsburgh Steelers ended Martavis Bryant's uh, turbulent tenure in Western Pennsylvania on third on Thursday, um, when they uh, I I, just, I didn't cover this yesterday. So when they agreed to trade the wide receiver to the Oakland Raiders in exchange for a, a third round pick, which number seventy nine overall in the twenty eighteen draft, Bryant arrived in the Steel City as a twenty fourteen fourth round draft pick, and he immediately flashed big potential as a number two threat alongside Antonio Brown in ten appearances as a rookie. The towering six foot four receiver nabbed twenty six receptions for five hundred forty nine yards and eight touchdowns, good for an average of twenty one point one yards per catch. The club's product continued to offer glimpses of his tantalizing talent in twenty fifteen, when he hauled in a career high fifty receptions for seven hundred sixty five yards and six touchdowns. However, the twenty fifteen season was accompanied by turmoil when Bryant received a four game suspension for violating the NFL's policy on substance abuse. Those off field issues carried over into twenty sixteen. When Bryant violated the policy yet again and was suspended for the entire campaign, Bryant was reinstated prior to the 2018 season. But his displeasure in his seemingly reduced role fueled his public desire to fly the coop. The Steelers ultimately had held steady at the trade deadline and opted against placing, uh, placating that demand. 
As a result, Bryant became progressively more involved in the offense as the year drew, uh, drew to close. He finished the 2017 season with 50 catches for 603 yards and three touchdowns. Now headed to the Raiders, Bryant will need to show he's not an off-field liability or a detrimental presence in the locker room as he attempts to provide some stability op- opposite number one, Amari Cooper, and number two, Jordy Nelson uh, in Oakland. If Bryant can do that to the best of his abilities, he, w- he could be in line for a solid payday come March of next year when he becomes an unrestricted free agent for the first time. So... Uh, personally, I don't I don't like this move for Pittsburgh, but I think Bryant kind of lobbied for the trade more than Pittsburgh wanting to trade him. So, <clears throat> so <coughs> excuse me. So now covering another story that has to do with the NFL. After teasing retirement last year before playing the 2017 season with the Miami Dolphins, quarterback Jay Culler has reportedly decided to retire from the NFL at the age of 34. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reported Culler's decision to walk away from the game after 12 seasons. A first-round pick by the Denver Broncos in 2006, Cutler, has announced re- Cutler announced his retirement in, in May of 2017 and was set to join Fox Sports as part of the number two broadcast group as um, broadcast, broadcast group as part of a team with Kevin Burkhardt and Charles Davis. Uh, Cutler sounded comfortable w- with his decision to walk away from the game at the time. Quote, I'm, I'm happy with where I am, you know, in my life and really in the future going forward. Cutler told WMVP AM's The, the Wadi and Sylvie Show via NFL.com's Kevin Petra. So yeah, we can go ahead and say it, say it. It's permanent. After Dolphins starting quarterback Ryan Tannehill underwent season-ending ACL surgery in August, Cutler signed with the team. Head coach Adam Gase was his offensive coordinator in 2015 with the Chicago Bears. The overall numbers in 2017 weren't bad for Cutler, who had 2,666 passing yards, 19 touchdowns, and a 62% completion rate, but Miami ranked 28th in the NFL with 17.6 points per game. Last season was a good summary of Cutler's career with the Broncos, Bears, and Dolphins. The stat line looks adequate in spots, but it never came together for him the way anyone hoped, based on where he was drafted. Mike Shanahan, who was Denver's head coach when he drafted Cutler in 2006, felt one of the quarterback's biggest problems during his time in Chicago was a lack of stability with offensive coordinators via ESPN.com's Jeff Dickerson. Quote, all I can go by is what he did with me in Denver and how he played and how he handled himself. And you just say, holy cow. And and you are kind of surprised it it didn't work out for whatever reasons. The obvious one is the turnover in coordinators. You are learning a different scheme and a different terminology every time. That is a tough, that is tough on any quarterback. There were some good moments for Cutler throughout his career. In 2010, he led the Bears to the NFC Championship game against the Green Bay Packers before a knee injury knocked him out in the third quarter. Cutler has always was always an enigma who was more interest, interesting in theory than execution. His arm talent made him a st- starting QB uh, for more than a decade, but he was never able to evolve into more than someone with a strong arm. You know, um, He's never much of a playmaker. While Cutler may not have lived up to his potential as the 11th overall pick, he had a long career and made the Pro Bowl in 2008. That's better than a lot of players drafted in the first round can say. So, I I think he had a pretty solid career personally. So, just my own personal opinion. Now covering um, uh, yet another story in the NFL. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks have reportedly received at least two trade offers for safety Earl Thomas. On Friday, Michael Silver of NFL Network reported quote reported a quote deal could still go down today or tonight during the second and third rounds of the 2018 NFL Draft. Uh, Silver noted the Hawks have enough cap space to keep Thomas if, if the right proposal doesn't materialize. Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reported the Seahawks are, quote, open to trading Thomas, but aren't actively, quote, trying to move him. The update comes after Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll seemingly downplayed the potential for Thomas to get moved during an inter- interview with KJR's Dave Matt Hiller last week. 
Uh, he quote, he's a Seahawk. Carroll said, I don't know what everyone's talking about. He added, quote, heck yeah, he better be at training camp. He's on the roster. We're counting on him. The Seahawks uh, defense has already lost two cornerstones this offseason with the release of cornerback Richard Sherman, uh, who signed with the NFC West rival San Francisco 49ers, and the trade of defensive end Michael Bennett to the Philadelphia Eagles. Thomas has spent his entire career in Seattle since being selected with the 14th overall pick in the 2010 NFL Draft. He's earned six Pro Bowl selections and three first-team All-Pro nods. The 28-year-old Texas native is entering the final year of his contract, which carries a $10.4 million cap hit of, uh, for 2018 for a spot track. If Thomas is traded, Cam Chancellor would be the last defensive back standing from the original Legion of Boom, and his future is uncertain because of a neck injury. So, um, you know, as, as a Rams and... Uh, as a Rams fan, I, I hope they get rid of Thomas. <laughs> just That's just me. So now switching gears to the NBA. Uh, Washington Wizards forward Otto Porter Jr. will miss the remainder of his team's first-round playoff series against the Toronto Raptors and is out indefinitely while recovering from a procedure on his left leg, the Wizards announced on Friday. Washington Post's Candace Buckner initially reported the news. According to Buckner, the procedure is related to the bone bruise that Porter was dealing with and addressed a blow-flow issue in his leg. The Wizards faced a must-win Game 6 on Friday night at home, which I'm going to be covering later in the episode. Uh, so Porter's absence could be big for Washington. He's averaging 10 points and 5 rebounds and shooting 41.7% from 3-point range in the series. Even though Porter hasn't played particularly well in the postseason, the Wizards aren't blessed with a wealth of depth. Only 8 players were on the floor for at least 10 minutes in Game 5, with John Wall playing 44 of the 48 minutes. Kelly, Ubre Kelly Oubre Jr. will likely replace Porter in the starting lineup. Oubre averaged 11.8 points, 4.5 rebounds, and 1.2 assists in the season and has been solid in the playoffs, but Washington can only expect so much from somebody who has come off the bench for most of the year. The Wizards were already facing an uphill battle to reach the second round, and Porter's injury makes the task even more difficult. So, that's that. So now switching, uh, excuse me, now another story inside the world of the NBA. Uh, it's pretty big here. San Antonio Spurs star forward Kawhi Leonard reportedly wants head coach Greg Popovich to, quote, tweak some things if he's going to sign a long-term contract extension. On Thursday, Frank Isola of the New York Daily News provided comments from a league source after a quadriceps injury forced Leonard to miss a vast majority of the 2017-18 NBA season. Quote, don't you have to sign him, a rival executive said. From what I understand, he wants Popovich to lighten up a little with practice and tweak some things. The Spurs may not want to change their ways, but this is Kawhi Leonard, this is Kawhi Leonard we're talking about. The 26-year-old Los Angeles native was a prime MVP candidate coming into the campaign after developing into one of the NBA's most well-rounded players since getting selected in the first round of the 2011 draft. Instead, Leonard appeared in just nine games during the season and missed the playoffs, so the Spurs were eliminated in the first round by the reigning champion Golden State Warriors in five games. Popovich didn't shed much light on the two-time All-Star selections availability late in the season, usually referring people to Leonard's, quote, group about a possible return. Uh, quote, you'll have to ask Kawhi and his group that, that question. Popovich told reporters on April 15th, so far they say that he's not ready to go, so we can't do anything until that happens, and then we would have to decide what's going on from there, but that's the first thing that has to happen. Leonard has one guaranteed deal left on his contract and holds a player option for the 2019-20 season per spot track. The Spurs can sign him to a five-year, quote, super max extension as early as this summer. Ultimately, the lack of information about Leonard's health and the apparent rift has uh, his continued and the apparent rift, uh, you know, with his continued absence, appeared to create with the organization will make his status with the Spurs one of the, you know, the, one of the offseason's top storylines. He's one of the NBA's best players when healthy, but it's hard to imagine San Antonio getting fair market value in a potential trade based on what's happened. So finding a path to, you know, re reconciliation before next season may be the best option for everybody involved. 
And uh, personally, I think it is. You know, I mean, I think Kawhi likes playing for Popovich in San Antonio, and obviously Popovich wants to have Kawhi as a player on his team. You know, I mean, as you, as everyone sees, San Antonio can't do much without him. So, another story inside the NBA. Rajon Rondo is busy helping the New Orleans Pelicans in, in their 2018 playoff run. But the 32-year-old point guard recently said he wants to remain in the NBA after his career. Quote, I want to be a general manager and I want to be a head coach. He told Mark Stein of the New York Times, definitely both. And his head coach, Alvin Gentry, believes he'll no doubt become a head coach one day. Uh, Rondo has been, quote, granted permission to conduct the occasional Pelicans film session or morning walkthrough instead of his coaches and even and is even allowed to audible the calls from the bench. Quote, when you have a point guard this smart, you should let him run the team, Gentry noted. Rondo also obsessively watches game film, game film per Stein to the point that New Orleans staff consults him when drawing up game plans. During the course of his career, Rondo has earned a rep reputation for challenging coaches and having something of a stubborn personality, most famously flaming out with the Dallas Mavericks in the 2014-15 season, but his current teammates seem to respect him and, and enjoy playing with him. Quote, something they don't agree uh, some, sometimes they don't agree, uh, coaches and him, because he likes to do what he thinks is best for the team. Forward Nikola Miritich told Stein, uh, quote, but I always say with Paul Gasol, he's the best teammate I ever had. Or, excuse me, with Rondo. Uh, quote, you can't go in that locker room and talk to one guy that doesn't believe in him, Gentry added. He noted that coaching Rondo isn't always easy, but said, quote, I'd coach him again and again and again. He does everything. He does respect coaching. I know that. Uh, superstar Anthony Davis also spoke about the impact Rondo has had on the Pelicans for Scott Kushner of The Advocate. Uh, he said Rondo makes it a point to calm the Pels down after opponents go on runs, routinely yells them you're good, and says how many minutes slash possessions are left in the game. Uh, and having a great teammate like Davis has probably helped. Uh, you know, suffice to say, suffice, suffice it to say, Rondo has thrived in New Orleans during the season. He averaged 8.3 points, 8.2 assists, and 4 rebounds a game, and his numbers uh, took a major jump in the Pelicans' four-game sweep with the Portland Trailblazers in the first round of the Western Conference matchup. He had 11.3 points, 13.3 assists, and 7.5 rebounds a game. Rondo 6-0 in the playoffs the past two years. And his career postseason numbers, 14.2 points a game, 9.2 assists, and 6 rebounds. Um, Trump his averages in the season. Just don't call him playoff Rondo. Quote, I haven't had the best public perception in my entire career, Rondo acknowledged per Stein. But at, the end, but at the end of the day, you can't deny that I'm a winner. If you look at my history, I don't think you can be a four-time All-Star just from the playoffs. I must have done something in this season. Playoff Rondo, I think, is a myth, but I do love the big moments. Perhaps somebody, perhaps someday he'll enjoy them as a coach, too. So, personally, I think he's going to be a good coach. Um, you know, and I think he'll be successful. So, now switching gears back to the NFL. Uh, Jason Witten is planning to retire after 15 years in the NFL, according to Chris Mortensen of ESPN, quote, to join ESPN's new Monday Night Football broadcast team as a lead analyst. Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram reported the Dallas Cowboys were not expecting Witten to retire. Team owner Jerry Jones said he met with Witten on Friday, and the decision hasn't been finalized at this time, per Brandon George of the Dallas Morning News. Quote, I've talked to Jason Witten several times this week, met with him a few hours ago, and we've had great discussions. He has some things to think about and discuss with his family, and he'll need a few more days of consideration. No final decision made on retirement. Witten's $4.7 million contract bonus wasn't paid to him prior to retiring, per Mike Fisher of 105.3 The Fan. After the Cowboys selected him in the third round of the 2003 draft, Witten became one of the, uh, one of the most consistent tight ends in the league. He was named to 11 Pro Bowls and earned first-team All-Pro honors in 2007 and 2010. Witten retires having set Cowboys franchise records in receptions, uh, 1,152, and receiving yards, 12,448. 
He's also one of the most prolific tight ends in NFL history. According to Pro Football Reference, only Tony Gonzalez has more receptions and yards, while Witten's 68 touchdowns put him at 6th best for the position. Uh, there's no questioning Witten's production over his career, but he has he has been showing clear signs of a decline in recent seasons. He hasn't cracked 1,000 receiving yards since 2012, and his 560 receiving yards in 2017 marked his lowest total since his rookie year. Uh, Bleacher Report's Marcus Mosher questioned whether Witten's lack of explosiveness was hurting the offense as a whole as well. Uh, still, Witten's departure will leave a void in the passing game. He hasn't missed a game since his rookie year, so the Cowboys haven't had to give much thought on the tight end position for over a decade. Because of that, Dallas may look to outside the team for Witten's replacement. James Hanna announced his retirement earlier in April, uh, and Jeff Swaim has not emerged as a solid pass catcher. Undrafted free agent Blake Jarwin saw only a limited role in his first season. The, uh, the 2018 draft may be Dallas's best bet to find a long-term successor to Witten. Mark Andrews, Mike Gieski, and Dallas uh, Goldberg are among the top tight ends remaining in this year's draft. And anyone would be a solid addition for the Cowboys' offense, in my opinion. For Witten, he should start getting his Hall of Fame speech ready. As one of the best tight ends of this era, the 35-year-old is, is he's definitely going to be um, you know, a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. So, um, yeah. That's that. Um, so now... Switching gears to another topic here. Um, sorry about the delay. So LSU running back Dar- uh, Darius Geese was a surprise slide slide down the 2018 NFL draft before eventually being picked up by the Washington Redskins with the 59th overall pick. According to ESPN's Todd McShay via Melissa Jacobs of the thefootballgirl.com, Geese was late to his meetings with teams over the past few months. This has prevented him from being taken in the first round or early in the second, as expected. Bleacher Report's Matt Miller listed Geese as his number two running back in the class and the number 29 player overall. However, he, w- he wasn't one of the first. Uh, he wasn't one of the three running backs. Uh, Saquon Barkley, Rashad Penny, and Sony uh, Mitchell selected in the first round on Thursday. Nick Chubb, Ron- Ronald Jones, and Kerryon Johnson were all selected him above above him in round two. As Ross Dellinger of The Advocate noted, the concerns about Geese's character weren't about criminal activity, but possible maturity. It also led him to being um, more toned down while attending the draft in Dallas. Quote, I already got enough backlash. Can't really let my personality shine like normal. He said on Wednesday, now I've got to be this person I'm not. Now I've got to hide who I really am, hide my personality. It's understandable for teams to pass on a player who might not be reliable, but Geese is still only 20 years old and has plenty of time left to grow and mature. Um, so my take on this, I mean, I, I mean, if the guy is such, if he's, a, if he's a great running back and he doesn't have any criminal activity, uh, and he was late to a couple meetings, I mean, come on, I don't see the deal. So if he's, if he's a good player and he fits your team, just pick him up. You, I mean, come on, just, just get, just pick up the guy. I mean, I, I don't see the, I don't see the problem with this really. Uh, so now switching gears to the, back to the NBA. The Golden State Warriors are the reigning champs and have made three consecutive trips to the NBA Finals. The New Orleans Pelicans just made it out of round one for the first time since 2007-8, back when they were known, back when they were known as the Hornets. That may seem like a David versus Goliath scenario, but don't expect the underdogs to be intimidated in their second round Western Conference matchup. On Friday, New Orleans star Anthony Davis made it clear his team has confidence. Per ESPN.com's Nick Friedel. Quote, it's fun. We know that we can beat them. We've done it in, this, in the regular season, and we've been in every game that we lost against them. So we know that we're a good matchup against these guys, and we've got a lot of confidence in ourselves. Anytime they score, we know they're going to score and make shots. It's tough. We, we just got to get the ball out fast and push it down the floor and try to go quicker. Uh, and that's the type of confidence every coach should want uh, its players to have. True, New Orleans did beat Golden State during the season, one in four meetings. <laughs> 
Its lone victory came three weeks ago in a 126 to 120 shutout shootout. Excuse me, a game in which Stephen Curry sat out because of his sprained MCL. It's unclear if Curry will play during the series after he missed the first round. Although Warriors head coach Steve Kerr announced on Thursday the two-time NBA MVP is quote questionable for Game One on Saturday at Oracle Arena. To be fair, nobody gave the Pelicans much of a chance to, be, to upset the third-seeded Portland Trailblazers in the first round. Not only did they do so, but they also swept Damian Lillard and Co. That was possible because of an impressive team effort with Anthony Davis, uh, Drew Holiday, and Rajon Rondo all balling out. There's a difference, you know, in being these Warriors uh, during the season and four out of seven times in the playoffs. Davis got a first-hand look at that in the 2015 postseason when Golden State swept New Orleans. However, this is a different, more experienced Pelicans team and that has caught fire at the right time. So personally, I think this is going to be a really good series. I think that um, I think that uh, New Orleans can give the Warriors a run for their money, but um, I still think Golden State is going to win. In, I think I, I got Golden State in six games personally. So now covering another result, or excuse me, the first result of, of the day, uh, the first and only playoff result that we're going to be covering. Um, Donovan Mitchell might not win the Rookie of the Year. He might not. But one thing is for certain, after Friday night, Mitchell is a star and he, possess, he possesses the kind of talent that can single-handedly lift the Utah Jazz to win in high-pressure playoff situations. After starting point guard Ricky Rubio left Game 6 in the first quarter with a left hamstring injury, Mitchell put the Jazz on his back. He's, he, scored nine, he scored 38 points and willed Utah to a 96-91 closeout win over the Oklahoma City Thunder at Vivint Smart Home Arena. Mitchell, who, who went shot for shot with Russell Westbrook in an epic duel, produced a signature moment in the third quarter when he erupted for 22 points and put up the Jazz by 9 entering the fourth. According to ESPN Stats and Info, Mitchell joined Alonzo Mourning in 1993 and Michael Jordan in 1995, in 1985, excuse me, as the only first-year players over the past 35 seasons to log multiple 30-point games in a playoff series. Mitchell also played his way into a lead company and became the second rookie since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1970 to drop at least 20 points in his first six postseason appearances, as NBA.com's stats database noted. As the Louisville product, um, you know, pushed the squad into the second round with aplomb, Twitter morphed into a uh, Twitter was going crazy. <laughs> Westbrook did everything in his power to counter Mitchell's scoring surge. He finished with a game-high 46 points, including 20 in the third quarter, but he didn't have the support necessary to help the Thunder force a Game 7. While Mitchell was flanked by a deep and effective supporting cast consisting of Joe Ingles, um, Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors, and Alec Burks, Westbrook was largely left to operate alone. Paul George looked like a shell of the player who averaged 33 points over games 3 and 4, and his hes hesitance to shoot was glaring down the stretch as he logged 5 points on 2 of 16 shooting in what may have been his final game in a Thunder uniform. George also came up empty on a potential game-tying 3-point attempt with 18 seconds remaining when Gobert made contact on what appeared to be a clear shooting foul. Then there was Carmelo Anthony who scored 7 points and was put in a blender by Mitchell as the rookies repeatedly burned him after getting favorable, favorable uh, switches on, on high ball screens. As a result, head coach Billy Donovan was forced to bench Anthony, who finished a minus 19 for most of the final frame. Now Anthony has a decision to make regarding his $27.9 million early uh, termination option for next season and whether he wants to run things back with Westbrook following a, a turbulent trial run with the reigning MVP. The Jazz, meanwhile, are headed to the second round uh, in consecutive seasons for the first time since 2007-8, like the Pelicans, and will try to um, give the top-seeded Houston Rockets all they can handle when uh, their Western Conference semifinal series gets underway Sunday afternoon at Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. So that's all we have for the breaking news in sports. Now we're going to be covering the um, the Los Angeles sports theme, starting with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, they uh, give me one second.
the Dodgers uh, played the San Francisco Giants today, uh, or tonight I should say, and they lost. The Dodgers lost by a score of six to four. So the the Dodgers um, uh, they are now they fall to back down to fourth in the NL West, and um, and they're now six and four in their last ten after a couple losses, and uh, they're they're currently a game and a half uh, or two games behind the Giants, um, two and a half games behind, or excuse me, they're. They're a game behind the Giants, and they're two and a half games behind the Colorado Rockies, and seven games behind the Arizona Diamondbacks for first place. So that's the Dodgers. Now we're going to be covering the Los Angeles Angels. The Angels they played uh, the New York Yankees, and they the, the Yankees won by a score of four to three. So the Angels are still second in the AOS. Um, and the Angels' next game is tomorrow at six oh seven p.m. against the New York Yankees. Uh, the Yankees are now 16 and 9, and the Angels are 16 and 10. Similar records. The game will be brought. The game will be broadcasted nationally on Fox Sports One. And uh, I forgot to mention that the Dodgers' uh, next game is um, it's um, today at, at around um, it's at 12 or it's at 1 p.m. 1 10 p.m. That's the time. So now um, covering the LA Galaxy, uh, their next game is uh, tomorrow at 7:30 p.m. against the New York Red Bulls. And LAFC's next game is um, Sunday at um, at 6 p.m. against the Seattle Sounders. So that's those are the LA sports teams. And um, now I'm going to be covering the NHL playoffs. So uh, yesterday there was only one game. As I said, the Winnipeg Jets beat the Nashville Predators by a score of four to one. So Winnipeg leads the series 1-0, and they now stole home ice advantage. And uh, tomorrow, the Boston Bruins play the Tampa Bay Lightning in, in Game 1. And the San Jose Sharks and Vegas Golden Knights play Game 2 in uh, Vegas, Las Vegas, Nevada. So that's all we have for episode number 52 of Sean's Sports Show. Check out the other episodes available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play. I appreciate the support. And I'll see you guys on the next one, which will be released on Saturday night. Today was Friday, April 27, 2018. Next one is Saturday night. I'll see you guys then.